0: G'day guys, welcome back to another Ferdy episode. In today's episode, it's quite a different um, type of episode. We've got our brother from, uh, our brother named Uthman, all the way from Uganda, who spek- who speaks about his upbringing, um, being raised in Uganda, traveling to Turkey, and then settling in Australia, giving back to his hometown back in Uganda. He speaks about his trauma, um, his work life, and the struggles that he had when he was settling here in Australia. Um... Hope you guys enjoy this episode. It's quite a different episode. But make sure to like, share and subscribe.
1: Assalamualaikum listeners. This is a warning. We would like to stress that this episode contains content that may be triggering for some listeners. So, for your discretion, it is advised.
2: Thank you. based in Kayseri.
1: Yep. So that was the
2: main reason why I went to Kayseri as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And where else have you travelled other than Turkey?
2: Mm, uh, maybe in Africa in Uganda I've been travelling a lot within been 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 the over Uganda. Africa, I've been in all the districts in Uganda.
0: Yeah. Have you been to Somalia by the way?
2: No. Would you ever go to Somalia? <laughs> inshallah if, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if time permits type of thing. <laughs> if <yeah>. time comes, <laughs> I'll go inshallah. Yeah. South Africa places like that? Nah, I haven't been in South Africa. But around Uganda type of thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um but yeah I think the, the episode started. Um but before we start like the episode or whatever, I'll do like an introduction later on. Yeah. yeah. But um I think I'd like to know, like, sort of your like backstory and whatever, yeah. Um, and like, like, probably we'll start with um, your story in like Uganda because I know you have a very, um, interesting story in Uganda. Yeah. If I'm not wrong, you fled Uganda due to the civil war. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to know, like, if we could touch on a little bit about the civil war, and because not many people would know about it, um, like what led to the civil war and how did that lead to your obviously your family, leaving because. Similar to me, I was born in Somalia. Yeah. I left the, I left Somalia due to whatever, the civil war that happened as well. Like, I did not,
2: like, flew away from Uganda during that time. I did not get a chance because most mm. of, uh, the majority of people got a chance. You need to have someone that will guide you. like Yeah, like a sponsor. Like a sponsor or a parent who yeah. can help with the paperwork, you know, yeah, process true. all this. But for me, I had, I've lost both of my parents. Yeah. Which was like hard for me as a kid to start looking into that process. Of yeah, true. getting away from the country. Who
0: who sponsored you? Was it
2: your I came here under partner visa, but came in 2017, by the way.
0: Like five years ago?
2: Five years ago.
0: Oh, that's not that long ago.
2: I came in 2017.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that. Again.
2: Yeah. That's not so that long So with ago. all the war, the things that was happening there, I did not get a chance to...
0: Yeah. Well, uh, the Civil War um, was back in late 80s, correct?
2: It was... The civil war started in eighties. Uh, like I grew up in the war because I grew up. Where there was a war really going on. Yeah, true. Yeah, you he hear yeah. the gunshot and you know people fighting. Mm. And even some of my family, like my cousin brother, was abducted and up to now, during that, I don't season. know where he is.
0: Yeah, I never met them before. Type uh, of.
2: Thing. I never seen him since then. He was abducted in two thousand and two mm. from the school. Wow! And so up to now, well you don't know uh, whether he's
0: alive or he's dead. Yeah. Say again. Yeah, you you you, you go ask him. well, Okay, beautiful. Well, yeah. Um, how did they get abducted? You know, rebel usually
2: they they rock up everywhere during night nighttime. Mm-hmm. Even during daytime, they would just come and start shooting, firing everywhere, and. They mm-hmm. will get the people there and the rest will go with you. Yeah. That's how they used to abduct. Like, even on the way, maybe when you're driving, most like basically the public means they will shoot the vehicle. After attacking the vehicle, they will take the passenger. Yeah. The um, young one, the energetic one, they will take
0: them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm guessing most of this will happen late at night as well. Yeah. Because of prime time and whatnot. But I wanted to know... Um, what led to the Ugandan um it's called civil war? That you know, being
2: out. a child I don't know what brought all that, but
0: yeah.
2: I I could not tell exactly what brought that war, but basically. Mm, yeah. I grew up just seeing war.
0: Yeah, you were born into the yeah, war. Yeah, I was born into the war. Yeah, okay, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um the other thing was obviously you came here in twenty seventeen. Yeah. Um and which was not that long ago. Yeah. So in between that time, um, were you in Uganda that whole time or were you traveling I to Uganda? I was countries? in
2: Uganda the whole time. I got a chance to travel, to leave Uganda. That was 2013.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's when I got
2: opportunity to
0: go to Turkey. To Turkey and yeah. start, like, businesses yeah. and, and whatnot, all that kind of stuff. Because I know um, – and was your route from Uganda to Australia – a, was it direct, or did you have it to go to? It was direct from Uganda to Australia, direct. So you didn't go to one of those Kenya like refugee camps. I didn't, w- go, another, no, camp, I didn't so go there. Yeah, 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 100%. yeah, hundred percent. W- and what was that? What was that like?
2: The flight from Uganda to here?
0: No, no, no. During that process of like living in the civil war there in Uganda.
2: Oh, it was a hard one. Mm-hmm. That was a nightmare.
0: Yeah. It so was ha- a
2: hard time. Because, Allah, you know, you wake up at night, you hear gunshots see on your wall you find you know there's bullets went through the wall yeah it was hard sometimes you wake up in the morning you find on your door you open the door you see the blood Mm -hmm. and you ask yourself is that maybe someone was shot just run away from your door past there you see the drops of blood so Mm -hmm.
0: and at any point does that become normal you know, because that's the type of stuff we see in like the movies and all that kind of stuff, you know?
2: You know, growing up, I grew up a rich extent where it doesn't bother you now. Yeah. The only thing it can, like, bother you if they shoot you or you, you get shot or it happened to like the close family member.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the number one thing you're worried about. Yeah,
2: that was the number one
0: thing that's what, you know, gets me worried. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, wow, subhanAllah. Damn, that's really interesting. Because yeah. that's one thing you see in like movies and whatnot. And you wouldn't wish that on like anyone in the world, type of thing, you know? So <laughs> it's like an emotional experience. Um, and like, why Australia? Like, why why did you choose to sort of come to Australia?
2: Because my partner was here already. Yeah, gotcha. So she did
0: you meet her in Uganda or she was already in Australia? met in Uganda when
2: she came for a holiday.
0: Ah, okay, beautiful. Then,
2: as soon as she came here, had a child, she came to Uganda to visit me in 2015 again. Yes. That's when we did the Nipah, the marriage, and she organized. We had a child, like, I think she told me the best country for us to live in, she think is Australia, not Uganda. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You can start a good life here, and definitely we all came on the same point. mm -hmm, Of understanding then. As soon as she came back here, she
0: started the process. The process of obviously you starting to yeah. like live here and all that kind yeah. of stuff, yeah. Subhanallah. Um, going back to the the abducting story and all that kind of stuff, because yeah. um, obviously different reasons for like I guess, and this is I guess prominent in certain African countries. Yeah. What's the reason for abduction over there? Is it people get sold off for a higher price or? No, the abductions of
2: the rebel during that time. They abduct you, purposely. If they abduct the young one, the girls. They use them like a mm-hmm. the wife. Yep. And they rape them, and that's why we have the high rate of child mother in northern part of Uganda. Yeah. And with the young one, the boys, the energetic one, they train them to mm-hmm. become a sil- child soldier.
0: A child soldier. Yeah. Yep. So they that's what
2: the main reasons of abducting. So they can fight. And you know, cause. brainwashing a young one is easier than brainwashing uh, someone who is older, because mm-hmm. whatever things you tell the young one to do, definitely.
0: Yeah, hundred percent.
2: They will follow that the same things you
0: tell them to do. Mm, yeah, and that's interesting because I was on your page the other day, um, and one thing that I saw this post was like, Uganda has the highest—I'm pretty sure it's the number one—highest population where kids are under. If I don't know if I've got the stat wrong or whatever, but the highest population of kids under the age of 14. Yeah. And only about 2% of their population is above the age of 65 So it's one of the youngest, it's um, called countries. Absolutely. SubhanAllah. So that would probably be like prime time or whatever. Yeah. This is our brother, Sohail Welcome
2: onto Hi. the podcast. Oh, I can sound that. Nice <laughs> <good> to meet <laughs> Sorry, bro. I'm late.
1: all good, brother. Except for Allah, Alhamdulillah. All um,
0: but continuing <laughs> on to the story, obviously, now that you've given us a little bit of background into um, your story into Uganda, um, I want to speak about your um, project and what you why you decided to start it and whatnot. Um,
2: I'll go back because the dream, I had a dream for. Earthman's above dream. Earthman's dream. I had a dream for about 20 years. Yeah. When I was still young. and You know, growing up being an orphan, and
0: mm-hmm.
2: I used to sleep in the mosque.
0: Yeah.
2: I slept in the mosque for about, for almost yep. 15 years.
0: Yeah.
2: And you know the mosque, we don't have mattresses in the mosque. Yeah. You sleep on the ground. Mm-hmm. And I used to volunteer basically like my job in the mosque during even that childhood. Uh, I sweep the mosque, I clean it, and of course, like, we had a war, and even during time, people, they usually come to shelter themselves into the mosque, they sleep in the mosque. Mm-hmm. Mosques, churches, some even sleep on the street, even in the hospital, they go on the compound. Because of the war that was going on,
1: because they're untouchable zones, correct? In war, like the mosques or the, the religious centers,
2: those places they're a the safety place where yeah. people yeah. could the come safe and place, yeah. yeah, safe places. Hmm. So people run, leave their places. They come there during night, t- in the evening they sleep. Hmm. In the morning they'll go back to their previous places. Hmm. Yeah. So I had a dream because growing up in that situation, I know how hard it is, and i used to see even young ones because uh, i had my sisters three of them the one they followed me they were my, when my dad passed away they were still young very young and i was like i started developing that image like that fatherly image in their eyes mm. during even that period of time um I used to see the, the little one that lose even their fathers and mothers. They were all in the same conditions. I feel like my condition was a bit somehow better because um, I had my older sister
1: yeah.
2: um, that looked after her. But some of them, they have no one absolutely in their family.
1: Mm-hmm. And how old were you at the time? I,
2: I was nine years old.
1: SubhanAllah
2: Yeah, I was nine years old Because my dad passed away when I was eight years old mm. okay. So by nine years old, like, I started developing you know. So I had a dream of like, looking after the orphans yeah. And supporting, like helping them Being there for them mm-hmm. So during that period of time SubhanAllah And it happens when one of the um, the previous uh, mufti the sheikh previous mufti of uganda is called sheikh uh, previous uh, district card of uganda It's called mm-hmm. sheikh shaban ramadan mubaje he had a school where he opened is in the nearby district called mbale district but then he was a district card. so current is the current mufti of uganda so he was moving from district to district um like collecting orphans, taking them to his school, giving them bursary. In his school, they teach secular and theology. Yeah. So luckily enough, alhamdulillah, got that opportunity. He came to Kitcomb and he picked me. That was 19, if I remember, around 1994.
0: Did you say he picked you up?
2: He picked me from Kitcom. Yep. I was chosen among the orphans. Yes. Um. So...
0: What, uh, so what's the orphanage called again?
2: Ficum? It's called Noor Islamic Institute. Okay, beautiful. So they teach and theology okay. or studies here. Yeah,
0: beautiful. And was that, th- that country-based? Was it developed by it the government? It was or in Uganda,
2: the mo- but the nearby district. Okay, it's beautiful. About, um, it's about 300 kilometers away from... Uh, True. Is it 300 one of to five, yeah. 400 yeah. kilometers away from Mm.
0: Is it yeah. one of those orphanages that are developed by international countries, or was it from the... Ugandan um, government.
2: It was for like private. It was, private, it was yeah. w- like founded by Mufti of Uganda, the current Mufti of Uganda, Sheikh Shaban Mohamed Okay, yeah. So I got that opportunity. He came there, like I was choosing among the orphans mm-hmm. to go and attend his school. Mm-hmm. That's when I left Kitgum. I went to Mbale district. Mm-hmm. I I started studying from there till 2000 and. Seven. That's when I finished my high school. But in between that period of time, there was a lot happening because during school holidays, since we had a civil war in yeah. Kitgum, um, it's risky traveling on the way going back to the village.
0: Yeah.
2: Because the rebel always attacked the vehicles on the way. Mm, true. Yeah. And the only solutions to be safe is you have to remain in school yeah. during school holiday As in until th- until the end of the year. Because in a year there, we have different system. In a year, we have three um, school breakup, like first term, second term, and third term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from first term, I have to stay in school for the whole year. Yeah. Before going back to my village, seeing my people.
1: Mm. So it was like, it's, a, it's more of a risk.
2: It's more of risky going back yeah. home. Because instead of risking going back to the village, you rather dream. stay in school. Yeah, and true. in school, the challenges we had was they provide food uh, during school time, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but during holiday, oh, they they don't provide anything. The yeah. only thing they were favoring us, they were offering us was just accommodation.
0: True,
2: and during the school holiday, uh, it was extremely hard.
0: Yeah, extremely hard. In what sense? Was it because like he, he had to
1: go and find his own money for you food? You have to find that? your own money for food. Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah. Were the teachers there as well during that time as well? No, the teachers Because they not. would go back to the village as they well? They go back to their village. Oh. During the
2: holidays, they also go for holidays.
0: Mm-hmm. And who's attending to you guys over there?
2: There you just stay by yourself. Just you. The only thing we have is we have a room where to sleep. Mm. And the mosque is open. We had a borehole which was not far away from uh, our dormitory where we sleep. That's the only thing we had. But it, it was hard. Sick. During holiday, and the only things I got, like the opportunity I got, there was a woman, an elderly woman. Mm. She had cows, and I had to go to her, like request her, because I usually see her little one, the, the grandchildren help her to look after the cow. So I went and approached her. I was like, can I also help you, like start looking after your cow, and you give me food. And she looked at me and in a surprising way, you know. Then she started interrogating, asking me many questions, um, why didn't you go back during school holiday home? And I started like telling her my story. I'm often so I don't have my father and mother. So it's hard for me to go back to my village during school holiday and we have a civil war going on. It's risky going back home. That's why I stay here during till the end of the year, then I go back home once. Then Alhamdulillah she offered me a job looking after a cow, but after looking like when I look after the cow, every day she give me one thousand shilling, which is equivalent to fifty cents, yeah. something like seventy yeah. twenty-five to thirty cents That's in Spain. And she offered me food as well. That was a big relief for me during that time because I had where well, at least I could get one meal in a day. And also raise some small money for like school upkeep.
1: Do you remember how you felt after she accepted that offer she like I broke
0: down. Yes. Do you want to bring the two shoes closer?
2: I remember breaking down in tears and I remember breaking down in tears and she also broke down. And I didn't realize she was also mourning. She lost one of his grandchild that very week when we met. Oh.
1: Yeah. D- did was she also a Muslim? She, she was Muslim. So, subhanallah, and this is like only from the foresight of a Muslim. You yeah. can realize this, but subhanallah, the way uh, the Rasulullah said that, the person who takes care of the orphan and the Rasul Alaihi are like this. Yeah. Like that in Jannah inshallah. So subhanallah you not only did she relieve you and she helped you out with whatever your, your situation was, but subhanAllah also she was receiving the blessing. A blessing as well. As well. Yeah. So that's that's just amazing subhanAllah. Allah wa will, will bring you because you were three hundred and four kilometers away, is that correct? Yeah. From from well, where your village district, was? Yeah. And you were all the way there, subhanAllah, yeah. and somehow because of what was going on back home and because of the rebels and so on and so forth, you couldn't actually go back and you were looking for food and yeah. you ended up falling into the lap of this lady, subhanAllah, who had just been dealing with her own calamity herself. Yeah. So, subhanAllah, when you think about it, when you see things from Allah Taala's perspective, or not from his perspective, but from, from the perspective of the deen, subhanAllah, How everything just looks like it just it leans on its its, on itself, you know. But obviously, when you're in the moment, you're not really thinking like that. You're young, you're hungry, you know. You need help, and you're asking for help. And Subhanallah, you've got a a, a blessed woman who decided to give you that aid. Subhanallah, and may Allah subhanahu wa taala reward her for that. I mean, but um, so how long did it? How long did you go back and forth with? working for her and with the cows and so on and so forth.
2: That has become like um, part of my part-time in business during holiday. And all I, the time came on, I became like uh, one of the family members. Mm. Or by, if I'm running out of something, if maybe I need like advice, I need something, like, as a kid, you need something. Mm. I started feeling more comfortable, like, approaching her Hmm. because she opened for me that door of, like, telling me, if you have any problem, Mm -hmm. just come to me, Mm -hmm. talk to me, tell me. And she made a very big impact in my life as well because I started having, during that time I was, you know, (laughs) During the school holiday, like during the school time, um, we used to, you used to see that during the visitation day, you see the parents coming, looking after their kid, they bring gifts, Mm -hmm. and those who have father, mother, they always run, you see the way they run, they're happy Mm -hmm. to welcome their parents. And SubhanAllah, I I used to go, I used to cry a lot, I see people's fathers, mothers. They come to see their kids. Mm. When I stand, I wait for my father and mother. I don't see them coming. She could come. I think she knew what I was going through. She, she knew straight away she would come and, you know, and hold me, act like, definitely like my mother.
0: hmm yeah.
2: And talk to me. She carried me on her lap. She helped me, mm. like, mentally to
0: True. recover from,
2: she became my mom's, yeah, yeah. father, yeah.
0: and she became a world away from your other world as well. Yeah. You know? So I'm guessing, would you go there regularly during the uh, the following school holidays? In that,
2: our place was not far away from school. It was about um, two kilometers away from the school. Yeah. yeah. So definitely, when I get chance, I usually just go through her home. Mm-hmm. So she opened for me the door anytime you come. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Are you still in contact with her to this day?
2: When I went to Uganda uh in 2018? Yeah. Yeah, I remember in 2018 she was old. Yeah. When I went there she was. I uh, know in 2017. She passed away. Oh yeah. She passed away in 2017.
1: Did you get so back in time to visit?
2: Before that, I, w- I was in touch with. her, I could go there because when I started, like I got opportunity, I was working with uh, one of the Turkish foundation in Uganda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I could go there, like in a year, maybe twice or four times, go there visit her.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, send some small help. Mm. Yeah,
0: that was the year you were coming to Australia. That's before well. I came to Australia. Yeah, just before as well. Yeah. So you were were you in Turkey during that time?
2: No, during that time I was in Uganda. Are you actually
1: in Uganda? Yeah, subhanAllah. Yeah. Because I'm looking at this from the perspective of, like, you know, we like backtrack. So we, we go back from where you are now through the story of your life. So right now, how old are you, bro? I'm 36
2: years old. Okay, 36 I met 36 um, last year, last month.
1: Yeah. Oh, well, subhanAllah. Well, we can't say happy birthday, but... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just, yeah, yeah, subhanAllah But um, I'm um, I'm only looking at it now Because 36, you weren't too far away From remembering all of the stuff Because 9, 12, what is it? It's, it's not too far if you're like 67 years old mm, yeah. And you're trying to remember these things It's a little bit more difficult But for someone who's 36 It'll be a little bit more fresh Does any of these, remi- like Did any of these, like, memories And these thoughts Do they run through your head now Currently when you're in Australia, for example and you're rested in a yeah, uh, warm house in a close, you know, like a, a nice warm bed, and so on. Um,
2: I think if I was still in Uganda, I would have not um, remember all this. All these memories would have not come back. Because mm-hmm. now, if you in the same conditions, like in the same environment where people are suffering, you're all going through the same. Challenges, similar challenges. You can't realize that you're doing, like, you're in a bad condition until you leave that specific area, you go somewhere else. Mm. I think when I came to Australia here, the old memory came back the moment when I lose my daughter.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: That's when the old memory came back. Like, it it triggers everything. Mm -hmm. I did not realize that. I had PTSD, like post-trauma, stress, depression Mm -hmm. for all these years. And I haven't dealt with it for all these years. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I came here, that's when the old things started coming out. Because, you know, the way we live in Australia is quite different from Uganda. In Uganda, the door always opens. You see people opening. the old activities take place outside. People cook from the balcony outside. Yeah, true. They eat under the trees. Mm-hmm. But here, things were different. Mm-hmm. You enter inside, you lock the door, you can't see anyone.
3: Yeah.
2: Everyone, when they jump out in there from their house, they would jump in the car, straight go to the walk. Mm. The only place where you see people gathering maybe in a shopping center. <laughs>
3: yeah. And
2: so when I reached here, the old things came out because I was in the same environment. The mind's work a lot when you're alone. You're isolated. You, when you're isolated, yeah. The so, like the old memories started coming, started looking back where I came from, and what I've gone through, and what I've haven't spoke about that transpired in my life. The old things started coming out, and it was hard for me. I can imagine. It was hard.
1: Mm.
2: Sometimes I could see it. And Just roll. Mm. It was hard I could not speak about. (sighs) I wasn't able to speak about what transpired in my life until I reached this country. And I think I have to say, alhamdulillah, being in this country helps me not only to achieve my dream, but to recover from my childhood trauma that i went through
1: so, mm. yeah. is is there a specific um, did you like speak to a therapist or was
2: it yeah um i have been seeing psychologists mm. for i think for about almost 6 months mm-hmm. yeah. yeah that was
1: 2019 and it helps to kind of like piece yeah, everything it together it it subhanallah it, it, it
2: helps out and Like listening also to the lectures of Mufti Meng and some of the sheikhs, Mm -hmm. like it helps me a lot.
0: When you were in it all, as in during that period of, I guess, isolation, and I guess when the walls felt tight and you felt alone and everything, what provided like light at the end of the tunnel, like that made you want to keep going? I guess, like what motivated you during that time?
2: I always look at, you know, I always, in my life, what I've realized, like, I always compare myself with people below me, not people above me. So if I'm in the hard situation, where Mm -hmm. things are, like, pressing me hard, mentally I'm depressed, or financially I'm down, I always look back. So what motivated me a lot during that time, I always look at the people that lose their father maybe someone who was shot two three days ago mm. and i'll look at my family Alhamdulillah, no one is shot mm-hmm. everyone is still alive and that thing always keep me moving
1: mm. just i'm i'm only curious about earth man's dream because we had a little snippet about it just <laughs> now but we didn't actually get to the whole thing so what is earth man's dream
2: Uthman's Dream, it was formed in April 2019. And subhanallah, the way Uthman's Dream even came, it was a big surprise to me. Mm-hmm. The old situation, like the whole organization started from my hardship that I was going through. because mm-hmm. I remember when I came and after that incident happened when my daughter passed away, I was looking for a job. And you know, in Australia, things are hard. Mm. They have certain requirements when you still, mm. when you new, arrival here.
0: Yeah,
3: certificates. You yeah. need certificates. They
2: need mm-hmm. qualifications from Australia. And they need someone to, like, um, they need, like, the work experience from Australia. Not oversee, mm. and you must have someone like to recommend you, or you
1: know,
0: mm. A reference, yeah. yeah, reference
2: that. Oh, he has been with us. He has worked with us. But I had no reference, someone to you know.
0: Yeah, true.
2: Yeah, to get through, I tried like um, looking for jobs. Do to do, I applied for almost. I think about if I still remember, one hundred to two hundred jobs online.
0: And one after the other rejection. One rejection, after another
2: rejection, rejection. rejection. Mm. And I was like, SubhanAllah, I have a family. I have to provide half family here and I have my sisters back in Uganda. Mm. And I also have some orphans there in Uganda that I'm looking after, like helping them. What should I do? I have to get out and do something. And immediately that time I was going through like depression, still mourning in the emotionally like I was still recovering. Mm. Yeah, I started moving door to door looking for for work like asking mm-hmm. after failing to get a job because by that time I don't have they need a car. They will ask you when you go for interview, do you exactly. have a car? Mm. How you gonna travel? I don't have a car. Mm-hmm. It was hard for me as well. If you told them using public means that's also like give you maybe Zero chance, or maybe thirty percent chance of you know yeah. getting it's the job. It's a red flag. Yeah. So I started working from like warehouses, from warehouses, asking for job. And Alhamdulillah one day I got one of the guy from, uh, I think from Vietnam. He has a panel beating workshop. Mm-hmm. Then I started working with him. He started teaching me like. How to do the panel beating, sanding the car. Mm-hmm. I tried the first day and the guy was like, you know, I think you can work with me.
0: What was that feeling like after getting, I guess, rejected from over 100 jobs?
2: I had a hope because I knew every single day. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Things will, it will not be the same day. Exactly. I had a belief that things will work out. At my mind, I was like, if Allah brought me from where I am to this country, then Allah will not fail me to get the risk. And there's one thing I knew was like, um, if something is meant for you, definitely yep. you'll get it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I also remember that I said, mm-hmm. whatever things that Allah said to happen, it will be like that. So I knew my risk will always remain my risk. I'll keep on looking. So the guy offered me a job, and I was like, alhamdulillah, I got a job. And you know, every time someone tells me I'll pay this amount of money, since I was in a new, I'm in a new country, I always reflect back. Like, I'll try to convert the money into Ugandan currency. <laughs> so when I convert it, I'll see the amount, oh, this is good amount. <laughs> yeah. But when you tell someone here, they'll say, no, that's not, yeah, exactly. that's not fair. That's not a good amount that it should be paid. That's alhamdulillah. Yeah. And the guy was like, oh, I'll be paying you. Um, in a day, I'll give you $50. <laughs> to me, I think it was good amount. Yeah. But when I went back home, I uh, told my wife, I said, no, that's not. It's not worth it. Yeah. I was like, subhanAllah, we're staying here. It's better than nothing. Mm. Let me get out and get experience. Inshallah, things will be better one day. I kept on going. Then he top up, he said, I'll give you $100 mm-hmm. in a day. I said, alhamdulillah, this is good. Then my wife, like, well, oh, I think you can keep going with him, but that's not worth it. Unfortunately, um, he started down looking at me, mistreating me as well. Mm-hmm. He Was treating me badly,
0: well, taking He's advantage.
2: Yeah, not treating me well. Then I decided to leave. Uh, before even I left that job, I've, I've been very patient with him because mm-hmm. sometimes he goes, he drinks, he has his own issue mm-hmm. going on in his life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I don't want to go there.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, and. Subhanallah, one day, one of the elderly man came in the workshop. I did not know he was from Turkey. Okay. I did not know he was a Muslim. Mm-hmm. He came and he had a small dent on his car. I think he got an accident yeah. on the front bumper baguette.
3: Yeah.
2: Then as soon as he came in, he had argument because he brought the car and my boss told me, you strip off the front bumper baguette. I stripped it off and like sanded it properly. And what I remember, he sold that front bumper baguette because that was the, the original one that mm-hmm. came with the car. He sold it to someone. Yeah. Then he went to Rekers. He bought the old one. Then he brought it I sanded it down. He sprayed it. He put it back. And he overcharged his elderly brother. On top of that, on top of that,
3: wow, okay.
0: he
2: overcharged. I think he charged him more than four hundred dollars.
0: Yeah,
2: and they had argument. Mm-hmm. I felt sorry for him, and I told him the truth. Mm. I said, "Brother, you know what? You ask for your old bumper God. Let him give you the other one." Then he was like, "Why?" Well, I say, "You ask for it." That's all I can tell you. And if he's insisting, I'm happy to pull out the money. From my wage. the one you give me, I'll tell him to give it back to you. Because I was feeling sorry for him. He came there almost four or five times. Like they all they have argument. Yeah. And the elderly man I could see the way he was talking. Mm-hmm. He looks to be a nice person.
0: All for something so small.
2: Yeah. Then I told my boss when Customer that all the the elderly man left. I told him, you know, it's not good to treat someone like that. This is a business. We still need people like him. Not only him. If you spoil, like, we have to protect our the image of our business. Yeah. Oh, he came back to me. You know, this is not your business. You don't have to advise me. It's my business. Like we had a little bit of fight. Subhanallah, he doesn't leave his workshop usually. My boss. That day it happened, Allah knows he left the workshop for almost thirty minutes. Mm-hmm. Then this um the old man came in again. Then I had a he started asking me where you from. I told him where I came from. And I told him what was going on. Like what the guy did. Mm. The way I repaired the other phone, over guard, and he saw it. I told him everything. But I told him not to cause problem. He should just ask for the old one and pay him. I told him exactly the amount that he should pay because I knew. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then he was like thank you. I went behind his car when I was opening. I saw Quran mm-hmm. and Prayer mat. Mm-hmm. Then that thing gave me more confidence. To open up to him and tell him my problems, mm-hmm. what I was going through. Then I started narrating, telling him. Before even opening up to him, I think he realized something. He looked at my face was like, you don't look happy. What's going on? And immediately I broke down. Mm-hmm. In tears. Because I had a lot in my mind. Built up. My chest was built up. I feel like just getting someone I'm sitting with talk about my problems, talk about my past, and let it out. Mm. But I couldn't find someone to talk to. As soon as I broke down, he started holding my head, touching my head. and I had more peace that time. I started opening up to him, like telling him what I was going through, how I was treated. And immediately broke down. Started
1: crying as well. Oh. Take your time, bro.
2: He uh, we went behind his car and. started telling him, uh, like, full the all things, what transpired, how I came here. And he opened a phone, he started speaking to his son. He told me, I have my son. He works with NBN, he's a subcontractor. Um, I'll speak to him. He has a very good job. He'll give you a job. Don't worry about him. Don't come back to this workshop. The tears of joy, I started crying. I was like, alhamdulillah. I went back inside. I did so, the shukur. And immediately, he gave me the contact for his grandson. and said, you talk to him. I was hearing what surprises me was speaking Turkish. I was like, "Oh, I also understand Turkish. Yeah. That was something else. It was, how do you speak my language? (laughs) I was like, I've been in Turkey. (laughs) He was extremely excited.
1: Hang on a second. You're not subscribed. Can you do me a favor? Run that mouse or your finger to the bottom there. Click that subscribe button. Turn on that notification bell as well. Thank you.
2: And we made an appointment to meet up with his grandson. Which is is called Muhammad or. Mm-hmm. So during that time, Subhanallah, Muhammad was also going through his challenges, his hardship yeah. with the business, but it did not open to me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I went to him and we made appointment. We say on Saturday, come. We meet at my place. Then I told my wife to take me there drove me early in the morning because I was like eager to go and meet him and you know get a job very good job now start working. Mm -hmm. As soon as I reached Muhammad's place he was still sleeping. (laughs) I had to wait at the the back door and knock at the door. (laughs) I was like no it's not worth the knocking at this time. I sat at the back door uh, at the backyard waiting for him he saw me on the camera he came and was like I'm sorry brother no you would have knocked at the door No, now you sat here for how many hours have you been here I told him I've been here for almost one hour (laughs) (laughs) oh he got upset I said brother relax it's okay the most important thing I'm here now he told me you jump in my car we go for coffee. The first thing he asked me, "Did you have a? Did you have a breakfast?" I was like, "No."
0: <laughs>
2: Jump in my car let's go.
0: You're too excited. You left straight
2: away. I'm, I'm too excited, and mm. that's what I think that was my first time, like sitting in the Mercedes Benz, brand new, car. luxury car. <laughs> I was like excited. I sat in his car, and he drove me went to one of the petrol stations. Still remember, it's a, Something like BP. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When they said grab whatever things you want, I was like, subhanAllah. In my life, in my life, no one has ever told me grab whatever you want. <laughs> <at> the end, <laughs> end in the shove like this. I was. It was mind blowing.
0: Yeah.
2: I could not grab anything. Wallah. Where do and you start? Where should I start? <laughs> Then he just grabbed for me the coffee and Mm. gave me coffee. And I think he grabbed a donut. That's what I remember, yeah. He grabbed a donut. I went in his car. He told me, feel free. To me, I thought we were going to drive fast. We sit somewhere, then we eat. The way we do in Uganda. It was like, no, eat, eat. We started eating. He drove me. We went back home. Like we sat at his backyard, and before even that, we went there after finishing the coffee. He said, "Let us drive around." He was just driving around with me, showing me his business place. Mm-hmm. And then we went back home. We made appointment again. He said, uh, "You come tomorrow." The whole day we we spent it like just. He was driving me around. Mm-hmm. Alhamdulillah, the next day we made an appointment to meet. It was on, I remember it was on Tuesday. Because we met on Saturday, on Tuesday again the following week. I went back to his home. And he told me, I'm still thinking, what type of job should I give you? With man? I was like, brother, you know what? The only thing I need. I need something that at least I'll, I'll get out of the house and go back home with something for my family. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I need. I don't, if the job is allowed, I want to work using my hand. That's what I need. So like, what job? I say, brother, show me what to do. and Let me start doing, guide me. Inshallah, it will not take two, three hours I will master it. And Alhamdulillah, he brought me close to him. I did not realize uh, the business that Muhammad used to have. There was the business was not going on well, mm-hmm. and he was even struggling. Wow. But he couldn't. He could not open after me. When I had to open up to him, like um, that very day, in the morning, that very day, yeah, when we yeah, th- I think that very day I remember now. That very day, I yeah, opened up to him. I told him all my story, how I came here. He, like, he started asking me how I came here, where I came from, and what I've been doing before I came here to Australia. Mm. I went deep into the conversation with him from Uganda before even I came here. Like, um, it was a, a deep story. I think I need to go there also never before even I go with <laughs> this story. Mm, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Because in 2012, that's when I was in Kitikum. Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
2: After like, um, finishing my studies from North Islamic Institute High School.
0: Yeah.
2: And I was volunteering in the mosque, mm-hmm. teaching orphans. helping, working like an imam, you know. And in that very year one of the guys from Turkey is called Hussein Bellet. He's is Turk. He came to Uganda and he caught me on Friday I was leading prayer. And immediately he called me out, he asked me why do you stay? I told him I stay in the morning. What do you mean? I said, this is my home where I stay. Where do you sleep? I said, I sleep in the mosque. And he asked me, where is your bed? Then I went under the mimbar because that's where I had my blanket. So I keep my blankets there. And that's where you slept? That's where I've been sleeping for
0: Ever since
1: 15 years.
2: Ev- even since my parents passed away. Uh-huh, yeah. That's where I've been sleeping. So yeah. when they pulled my blanket out, I had one blanket, and I think one bed cover. I enter in that bed cover; that's what I use then cover myself. And I had two trousers and one with the one for prayer, and one shirt. And immediately, as soon as he, I, see, I p- said, "Is this what you have?" I say, "Yeah, this is. This is all what I have." He, he was shocked, he could not believe that he was like are, are you telling me the truth? I say yeah. He went outside. He asked one of uh, the main imam for the mosque. he asked him, Do you know this boy? Hey, say we know him. Who is he? Say said, oh, his father passed away some years back and he has been here helping us. This is where he sleep, his orphans and I went to me the guy started like he started crying
3: mm-hmm.
2: and I opened up also to him and told him more about myself and he was like you know what I'll take you to Kampala I was like no I'm not going to Kampala because I don't know you if you want me to go to Kampala that's a city um, you should talk to my older sister.
0: Mm-hmm. And where was she staying at?
2: My older sister was staying behind the mosque. It was on Friday. She was behind the mosque. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then I had to call my sister, and like we all have to. Like my sister doesn't speak English, of course. Someone was there helping, like to translate translated a big man because the man also he was not fluent in English, he speak Turkish. Mm. yeah. So he told whatever things he wanted to like the way he wanted to help me, take me, look after me and give me a job, give me a brighter future. Mm. And my sister was like, hmm? do you know him? I said, no, I don't know him, this is my first time. Then as soon as he mentioned the name of uh, the minister, uh is the foreign minister of uh, the minister of Uganda is called Minister Uriam. He mentioned that uh, I came here, I have my friend is called Minister Oriam. As soon as he mentioned that name, yep. then I was like, Okay, I think he's a good person.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. But we need to find more about him. Mm-hmm. Immediately like he became so concerned, he took me, we went to the restaurant. He bought for me like oh Chicken and rice, <laughs> and he bought for me soda and you know, all the soft drink. Hmm. Soft drink, there you take it during Christmas, like okay. during big
0: days. Special the occasion, special
2: yeah. occasion mm-hmm. only. And I was offered a special meal inside me. I was so excited, I was eating, enjoying. I was, Alhamdulillah, today is my day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got a good day. It was eight of you, yeah, and from there. He told me, you know what, um, the money I remember he gave me, he gave me 200,000 Ugandan shilling. That was the biggest amount of money I started earning in my life in that year, 2012. And was like, this is your transport. I want you to come to Kampala. I'll give you the address. I said, no, I'll get lost. He said, no, I want you to come to Kampala. I'll help you.
3: Mm
2: And as soon as he left, I did not have a phone, and he left one of his old phone. He had the old phone. He said he gave that phone to my sister. You call, use this phone, call this number. Mm. <coughs> then we made appointment. I went there. Uh, it was the next Friday. I went that the next Friday, the next week's Friday. I went there and I boarded a bus from Kichgum to Kampala. Mm. I called him. He sent someone to come and pick me from the bus park, the bus station. Mm -hmm. I went to his office, like he started asking me, giving me some books from Turkey. Mm. He said, I want you to go there and continue teaching those orphans. There's something I'm preparing for you. If it's ready, I'll let you know. I'll call you back to come. Then I started, I kept on teaching the Mm -hmm. young ones, orphans from the mosque, teaching them the Deen continue with my, my normal routine that I, I used to do.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: After one month, he called me and said, you come to Kampala. I went to Kampala. He said, "Do you have a p- the first question he asked me, do you have a passport? I said, no, I don't have a passport. Mm-hmm. Then he told me, you come, we do everything from here. Organize everything. As soon as I reached Kampala, his office, the first thing he did, he said, this is your room. Where are you going to sleep? SubhanAllah it was a mind blowing I saw the bed tonight. That was my f- First bed To sleep on In my life I saw the bed The room has the freezer in it mm. Allah, SubhanAllah I started moving around like Holding my head I was surprised <laughs> This is where <laughs> I'm going to sleep And the water is not far, the water is just within the compound. Mm-hmm. We used to go and fetch water from miles and come back, but now the water is inside. The tap and everything. Yeah, the tap and the food. They just ask you what you want to eat.
3: Mm.
2: But usually no one asks me. I just want to fill my tummy. But now they ask me what do you. I have a choice to choose.
1: Yep.
2: I was like, subhanAllah.
1: Has it ever sunk in now? Because like, subhanAllah you're living in Australia And then it wasn't too long ago when you were in I'm guessing you, you 10 years ago it was when you were in Uganda? Yeah 10 years ten ago 10 years ago subhanAllah And you you, you kind of like you've seen for example From the first day you saw that bed And that fridge and the water being within a close proximity And then you, you look at how you've lived for the past Was it 10 years now? For the past 10 to 15 years it—is it sunk in at all? It, it was
2: subhanAllah mind-blowing it's a mind blowing Then immediately he started, um, like, like bringing me up. He wanted to bring me to into someone mm-hmm. because I was still traumatized. Mm-hmm. He could see, it. Mm. and I still had that fear when someone talked to me, like I panic. Okay. He knew that as well, and he started being more nice to me, and started introducing me. When he gives me money to go and eat, sometimes say uh, you go and eat whatever you want. But as soon as, he, when he gives me money, I'll make sure I buy the food. I'll keep the money because sometimes he give me 5,000 shillings, 10,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, that money, I'm used to keep money. In a day, I could use maybe, I'll just go buy a cassava and drink water.
0: Yeah,
2: Just a piece of cassava. Yeah. Yeah. That's 500. So 10,000 could take me maybe 20 days. You're saving it, huh? I, I save I keep the money. And whenever he asked me, say this is the man, I say I still love the man. I say, Did you eat? I say I ate food. Yeah. And I give him the balance. Yeah. And I think to him, the way he looked at me, he was this is a different creature. Mm. Yeah. He never met someone like me.
3: Yeah.
2: He loved me more, he started love showing me more love than other workers that I work with that they were previously that organisation. Mm. And he asked me, what do you want? I told him, um, I want you to help me. and We built that mosque in Kijgum, where I was sleeping.
3: Oh.
2: And he asked, for, do you have the document for that mosque? I said, no, I don't have it. But I'll make sure and follow it up. I'll bring the document to him.
0: Yeah, so just to clarify, he met you at the, the masjid next to your village? Yeah. And then he took you to the capital in Kampala. Yes. With the mindset of um, building another masjid in Kampala, correct?
2: He took me there with the mindset of, um, like, he wanted to look after me. Yeah. Like, make me into someone. Exactly. That yeah. was his intention.
0: Yeah, gotcha.
2: And he, during that process, he was interrogating, like, he was asking me more, mm-hmm. like, my visions, my goal, mm. what do I want? Yeah. He took it out his wing. Yeah. So, and I told him, because we had that moss for nearly 50 years. The moss was built in uh, 1945, 1925, something like that. Mm -hmm. And that's where I've been sleeping. And the moss was from the top. It was the old one. It leaks when it rains. Yeah, it had cracks on it. And that was the only moss we had in Kitcombe. Then I told him, um, um, if you can build that mosque, I think that will help the community and we put the Mm -hmm. madrasa there. And he was like, what else do you want? I said, we have also orphans there in Kitkum, the one I've been teaching them in the mosque. Mm -hmm. Why don't we get like a bursary and sponsor them? Subhanallah. And as soon as I mentioned that, he gave me the opportunity. He said, you know what? Tomorrow you go to Ketukum, go back there. This is the form. Start registering orphans from there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Immediately, that very year in 20, um, 2013, mm-hmm. I started in January. I gave the form in December 2012, in January, because that's when they start admitting uh, the new students. Yeah. So I went to villages, in Orom, there's a village called Orom. I picked from there four, four, uh, four orphans in Kitkum. In Lamoa, I picked three from there. I started moving the nearby uh, sub counties, nearby suburbs. Mm. I brought all those kids and I took them to school. Um, I took the phone first to school, and time came in. He sent a van to come and pick them to Kitkum. So he took the kids. And I had also the challenge during that time, oh where's Osman? Because people still have that image of all Uthman sleeping the most, <laughs> where is he taking our kids?
3: Yeah.
2: And they started asking, maybe he's is taking them somewhere else, you know. They say as yes, you know the community people always speak. But luckily enough the form that I brought there were there was a uh, like the requirement that I needed. We need the consent from the parents. Yeah. Consent letter from chairman, the local leader one, and also from the resident district commission, which is representative of the president in the mm-hmm. district. The whole lot to stamp on, and the giso, the internal security organs, the whole lot to stamp. Those are some of the requirements, mm-hmm. just to keep the organization also safe.
1: Exactly. I'm curious how you picked the orphans. Though. Like because
2: I knew them. Some of them, during that war, they used to come in most. Mm. I used to teach them from there. Oh, I yeah. 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 Plus, so he grew up in that community because as Because well. I grew up in that community as well.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So I took them, alhamdulillah, like all these, the interrogation, people are asking, why are you taking them? I had all like, the required documents to back the organization up and to back me up. Mm-hmm. And the kid, alhamdulillah, they started studying. And every year he kept on adding, oh, I'll give you more four. You add more five. So I kept on. And Alhamdulillah some of them, I have more than six, they're now half of the Quran. Oh. And some of them they are now teaching yeah. in that very mosque. Yeah. In the mosque that I built <laughs> in <laughs> Kitkum. Yeah. And not only that, in twenty thirteen, before he took me to Turkey, I told him also about uh, there's a mosque in there's a village in around People used to pray under the tree. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What can we do for that community?" Because there was no school there, and he was like, "You know what? Go there. Before you go to Turkey, I'm giving you three months. We have our money. I'll get someone to help you, and we build that." Mm -hmm. And he got for me someone from Turkey (laughs) who is willing to build like Nasara School and Madrasa for the Mm
3: kids,
2: and. Alhamdulillah. Before I left to Turkey, we built that. Then he took me to Turkey to learn the Quran and computer programming, office management, which I was there for about seven months to
0: eight eight months. Wait, so did you go to Turkey to study? Or yeah, was I went related? to Turkey to
2: study. He took me to Turkey. Yeah, got catch up. Yeah, Yeah. So, from Turkey, I met like um, different people. Like I made contact in Turkey when I was there. one of them was Omar Farouk. he's in Kayseri he has done a lot also in Uganda like he helps like you know help the orphans Mm. yeah then from there when I went back to Uganda after finishing my program he offered me a job he said now you stay with me Mm
0: -hmm. that's how like in the capital
2: in the capital city he offered me I started working with him like Started expanding, like not only working in Kigumo now, running also some of the programs within Kampala, Mm -hmm. Mubende, like in all the districts from Uganda in Karamoja. Like I started helping coordinating the programs there, Mm. and from then, that's when in 20 till 2017 before I left. The mosque that I used to sleep in, Subhanallah. <laughs> through the connections that Allah helped went through me and the light, we got the donors to come and build that mosque before I left the country. Wow. And that was one of the biggest mosques in the co- in my region.
1: Yeah. Did anyone ever sleep in a position you used to sleep in? Did you find someone else in the mosque who slept there? I went there. Now, there's <laughs> people that are still
2: sleeping there. Oh, Subhanallah, yeah. So, that was like, the last project I did before I came here. Yeah. And to go back on the story of Muhammad, I told all this story to Muhammad, and it inspired Muhammad. Muhammad was like, Othman, you know what? What is your dream? I told him my dream I want to build up an orphanage center, look after the orphans. I want to be there like, I want to be there, like, their fatherly figure. I want to be there and help them. Mm. This is why I want that thing. W- that's my dream because I've been there. I know how like, painful it is. Mm-hmm. When you want you want someone, you need a guidance. You yeah. don't have it. I know how painful it is. I well, was like, you know what? Inshallah, we'll do something.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Then time went on. We kept on talking just from the backyard, two of us. And Muhammad started making contact to his friend, introducing me to his friend. Like I remember, he called Tariq. There's a guy called Tariq Muhammad. He's from Sudan. Mm-hmm. And Tariq came. We had a a Turkish tea at the backyard. Do you speak in, in Turkish? I speak in <laughs> Turkish. Yeah. <laughs> He brought, introduced, uh, one of the brothers is called Ibrahim Karada. Mm -hmm. Ibrahim also came. Like many Adam or like many boys started started introducing me to many people now. Imagine from the workshop, from his grandfather Mm -hmm. to the grandson, then Muhammad started introducing me to his friends, friends friend and everything. Then the way the name Uthman, Uthman's Othman's dream came in, it was a surprise because Muhammad was like, we should open, some we should do something, mm-hmm. before even forming the organization. During that period, we've been doing like helping. Mm-hmm. we been, we get the money here. I work. Muhammad also gets some small money. We send the money overseas to help, like buy food. Feed orphans,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and even paying the school fees. Mm. We've been doing that before forming the organisation. That was between me and Muhammad, only two of us. Yeah. Then Muhammad said we have to formalise this. We have to open up like a proper organisation. Yeah. He went to his accountant in the city. It's called Muhammad, uh It's called Ali Ali Ous. Mm. Yeah. He talked to Ali Oz about the organization, about me specifically, how he met me and Ali said, subhanallah, I think I'll be part of this. Immediately, I'll be part of the organization and my contributions, I'll help you guys to uh, for registrations, doing all the paperwork, this and that. And Muhammad, he came to me and said, Osman, I think Your intention is pure. Because whoever I approach, they always buy the idea. Mm -hmm. They always want to be part of it. Mm. I say, brother, it's not all about me. If it's about me, I'm already in Australia, Mm alhamdulillah. And you gave me a little bit of job I'm working. Inshallah, I'll have, at least I'm in a a safe environment. Mm. It's about the people back home there. We have to help them. I'm happy that I've delivered the message, inshallah, you're now part of it. If Allah asks me not only me, <laughs> what have you done? We have to help people. Okay, 100%. So it was like, you're right
0: 100%. Was the organization something you always dreamt of starting, or did the idea build up as you got older?
2: I had the idea of like having my own small organization yeah. where I just help like, people come and help, but how to start it.
0: Yeah, exactly. How does that link with the name? How to
2: start linking? it, the names, this yeah. and that. It, it was hard for me. Then Muhammad, he started asking me, "What name do you think?" Which I said, "Brother, <coughs> the only thing what matters for me is, I want, I want to help. It's not all about the name. Mm. I want to help." He said, "You know, if me and you only, we can't be doing this like this. Sometimes we'll be done. We need something to formalize something." And with the sustainability, it's something that would, you know, it will help the generation. And you said, "Well, that's hard for me mm. to tell that." Then he told me, "Othman, you know what? Um, I went to Ali. I have it something special for you." I was like, "What is that?" Say, he told me, "I k- we got the name." I said, "What's the name?" <laughs> and. He told me the name of organization is Othman Stream Incorporated. Subhanallah. That's how the old things happen.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and that's where the name Othman Dreaming Incorporated came in. Immediately we started organizing like iftar, kurban, mm-hmm. slaughtering cow, giving to people, even during COVID, like buying food, distributing to, yeah, 100%. Uh, to people back home.
1: And this was how long ago? What year was this? This
2: was twenty nineteen.
1: Twenty nineteen. Yeah. So you started, and then COVID hit. Yeah. And and did um did the project take a massive hit because of COVID or was it actually? We
2: we kept on like we kept on doing it, even during the COVID. That was the hard. That was the, the best time for us. Mm. Even back home there because here there was, mm. um, you could go out and the lockdown even if the lockdown here. People you could we have access, you buy food, you store in your fridge, still people go out and work, but back home there they were totally locked down, yeah, and you know in Uganda, my country where I came from, like my village, people work like you go out, to work today, you work food <laughs> what what you make today that's what you buy with the food, yeah.
1: yeah,
2: you know you make money today, that's what you buy with the food, mm-hmm. so we survive on the daily earning.
1: So you live with empty stomach, come back off yeah. a full stomach, and yeah, then Everything's everything fresh. Everything is yeah. yeah. So
2: it was hard. So during that time, that's when we got like uh, more chance, like to help to work mm-hmm. during that COVID time. We became so busy,
0: and plus COVID affected Uganda as well. It affected, yeah, yeah. And they would have needed your help the yeah. most.
2: So that was a time like we were fully on the ground buying mm-hmm. foods, giving to uh, people, helping elderly and and other. Like oh. other communities, yeah.
0: where's Um Uthman's Dream at, at the moment? How's it been since its formation?
2: Oh, uh, Uthman's Dream currently. Because
0: I've seen you sponsor soccer teams. You do. Th- th- uh, there's a lot
2: going on. Yeah. Uthman's Dream has done a lot. We have of kids, off fans we sponsor in Uganda. They're about ten. in mm-hmm. high school, and we acquired a land for the big project. Mm-hmm. We have 16 acres of land where we're going to build um, uh, the orphanage center and sport facility. We're going to build also um, the technical schools, primary schools. Uh, And we have office in Uganda at the moment. And we have also the office here and the teams full board now. Mm-hmm. We have also branch, like the board in Turkey, board in German.
0: Oh, board in Germany and a board, a board in Turkey? In yeah. Allahu Akbar. So what's the purpose of a board? Like,
2: like we're forming the board to help us. Like we're, not, we're planning something big, not just in <laughs> Australia. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I'm talking small, International. am talking big. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what, what's, what does, so inshallah, when it's all said and done and you can kind of like, sit down and look back and say, subhanAllah, let's I've achieved Uthman's dream. What is the ultimate goal Inshallah?
2: Allah my the ultimate goal is seeing orphans who are young, growing up in Uthman's dream facility, becoming a doctor or becoming engineer and a helping community. Mm seeing the child mothers that's our own street standing on their feet being able to look after their kids without like um, any any financial any um, any financial problem like being in our facility that's the main goal now Mm.
1: Um. Um, Subhanallah this is Correct me if I'm wrong I'm just looking back At what I've heard today SubhanAllah And obviously there's a lot more And maybe we'll bring you on Inshallah again yeah. If you're comfortable Inshallah, Inshallah. But But um, And we'll obviously push Inshallah All of your organisations Details in our links yeah. and Inshallah we'll, we'll actually get involved I know a lot of us yeah. here yeah. After listening to this SubhanAllah Inshallah. would love to yeah. Have a hand in the khair That you're doing SubhanAllah May Allah ta'ala Reward you Im- I mean, Immensely I mean. For what you've done For what you're going to do Inshallah I'm looking at your story now and on reflection, I'm looking at somebody who wasn't afraid to open up to others and to, and to be able to kind of like reach out to other human beings even though you've had a traumatic past, even though you've seen, for example, your mother and your father pass and you've, and you've probably seen what the lowest, or you've probably been in the lowest point anybody could be in as a, as a person or as a child. And then you still had the ability and the bravery to kind of speak to people about what you were going through. And this is juxtaposing what's going on now with, for example, the youth in Western civilization who are, you know, holding in whatever there it is that they're, they're feeling and, you know, like suicide rates are through the roof and depression and mental health issues are through the roof. Um, what would you say is something that you've learned from not only opening up to people around you, but to be able to have that bravery to speak to others about what you're going through, you know?
2: Allah, yeah. um, brother. You know, the way we look at things, the way we take things is all differently because um, as I stated before, is traveling, like moving, if like moving from one place to another place, It uh, helps a lot, like also for someone going through um, depressions to appreciate or to know what others are going through. Like for my side, what's like uh, the way I look at things was quite a bit different because I always compare myself. I look back, and I always appreciate. Every single moment that happened in my life, I look back. I compare myself with people below me, with people above me.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, I think that's basically that's what I can say because the way people yeah. look at things, quite right, they look at th- all this life in a different perspective.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of people ask, like what I was. Me, what I meant by the question was a lot of people are skeptical of others. And as you said, you had that kind of like the inkling with the Turkish brother that, that you met. Like I don't know you, you know, kind of like you have that, you know, that reservation. Yeah. But like all people do. But subhanAllah How you? You still, regardless of the skepticism, you still had the ability to trust. Mm. You know what I mean? And and
2: I think. I think with that one as well, brother. You know, um, in our community, we have the saying that men don't cry common in the community, in our culture. Men don't cry. You have to be strong. I think if we take out that thing, that one will help us out. Because I'm I'm pretty sure there are thousands of people outside there. Mm. They're going through hardship, but they're afraid to open it out to someone else or mm-hmm. to someone, you know, a stranger yeah. or someone they've never met in their life. The approaches as well, the way the guy approached me, and his speech the way he was speaking, you can tell the body language. True. Yeah. Yeah. That's what made me like gave me more confidence, like to open up to him. And f- also for him being someone from different races, white. Mm. You know, we have that mentality. <laughs> like, oh maybe um if I tell him my story will not tell anyone here because he doesn't know anyone. <laughs> because yeah. always a community judge. They always judge, oh, why do you talk like this? Oh, we're going through this. So I think that's a, the thing also affected me much. Not only me, I know many people are going outside that you're afraid. If you tell someone, the same story, someone will go outside there and tell someone, oh, this person is like this, he's weak, yeah. you know, he yeah. can't handle this, you
0: know. Yeah, the ability to be able to speak to yeah. someone yeah. and also feel comfort in the fact yeah. that they're yeah. listening yeah. without, like, judging. Um, without that's one being thing. judgmental. Yeah, without judgment, or you know, yeah. and some of us need that. You know, we just be able to get that off our, yeah. off our chest and everything.
1: I feel like, yeah, was man. Part of your story is that there's goodness in humanity, yeah. and that a lot of people need to stop looking at things so negatively and, you know, paint the world with one brush. Everybody isn't to be trusted, or everyone needs to prove their, you know, their worthiness to be trusted. Kind of like give people the benefit of the doubt, yeah. and Subhanallah, will open doors. And um yeah, um, I think... Do you have any final words? I, um, yeah, I, I feel like there's something I need to unpack <laughs> Yeah, you know, when I have to watch the video, inshallah, maybe bring you on again. Yeah. And then we can speak a little bit more about, inshallah, Othman's dream mm-hmm. and, inshallah. And, and just about your story, subhanAllah, because this is like this is like an hour, 40-minute movie, you know? SubhanAllah, like this is something um, you can make a movie about.
2: My story is long. Some of them, Allah, well, I don't... <laughs> Who knows? They, they keep on coming, like... Every single minute I start talking, something will pop in. Yeah. Exactly. I have a brain enough. You know, f- the brain where I grew up, there's no technology, phone, this and that.
1: Yeah. Like, like even everything will come hand. back. Thank yeah, even you remembering the names of all the brothers along the way, subhanAllah, from 2019, like, I, <laughs> I would completely forget. <laughs> <So> oh, <laughs> so I still remember them. I can tell you what technology yeah. has done to my brain, subhanAllah. Yeah. But may Allah subhanahu reward you, man. Yeah.
2: This life, brother, we have to just pray because people are outside there, they're going
0: through a lot. Mm -hmm.
2: And if you travel, that's when you realize what others are going through.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, honestly.
2: That's when you hear, when I came here, SubhanAllah, everything is there.
1: Yeah. Water,
2: you want food, you go to shopping center, just make money, go there, everything's on the finger. Yeah, and people here have choice. I want this, I want that, I want
0: this, Mm.
2: but there's it's in a different world. It's not, I want this, it's luxury. It's luxury here,
0: Mm. just for our listeners, um, that are listening. Is there any final thing that you'd want to say to them? Possibly, um, share your man's dream, like where they can find it, where they can reach you out on? Because I know you got an Instagram page, we'll link that.
2: Yeah, we have the. Instagram page. We have the Facebook, which is Othman Stream Incorporated. We have the LinkedIn. It's still the same, Othman Stream Incorporated. Mm-hmm. And the big event is coming on twenty sixth yep. of this month.
0: Yep. Where's that in your area? Saint. Not
2: in area. It will be in uh, Epping. Yep. Yeah, and all the address is on our website. And the ticket is. One hundred dollars, yeah.
0: Going to a good cause, yeah. Course.
2: Going to a good cause. All the money that is collected there straight away. There's no um, administration fee. This and that. All goes straight to the project. Mm-hmm. So, my humble appeal, request to people outside there is to jump on our website, like, share, and contribute for the good sake.
0: No, beautiful. That's very beautiful. Well, thank you for, we appreciate you hopping on Earthman. You're welcome. Um, And we'll definitely, like Swahili said, um, inshallah, we'll see you back in the future and hopefully we'll be there as well on the 26th. We'll be there definitely on the 26th. Inshallah. 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 Mm. Uh, Just for our listeners out there, make sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe. And also hit up Earthman if he touched you and enjoy once again. Peace.